It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why. And how we are going to talk about the possibility of the Packers trading up, in particular relative to a mock draft that came out last week on the draft report by Carter Donick. And it is something that I've heard from a lot of Packer fans about. It's also a concept I've heard from a lot of Packer fans about over the last few weeks, all offseason, really. And because it is Mock Draft Monday, I thought it was only fitting that we discuss it. We're going to talk a little bit in the second half of the show about Lane Taylor and and his future there, and then finish up the show with a little bit more draft talk. But let's start with this conversation over trading up. A recent Mock Draft over at the Draft Network stirred up Cheesehead Nation last week when it had the Packers trading up to the 11th spot for Clemson, all-star, standout, all-world, all-everything, linebacker, safety, corner, professional chef, and artisanal ice cream maker. I don't know. This guy can do it all, Isaiah Simmons. And a lot of Packer fans got excited about this prospect. And there were even some smart people who covered the team who also thought this was a reasonable idea that the Packers could give up all of this capital and go up and get Isaiah Simmons. And the thought process in some ways is intuitive. Number one, the Packers have two clear and pressing needs at linebacker and receiver. Now, I think you can add offensive tackle, but if you think the Packers are going to re-sign Brian Bulaga, it's just the linebacker and receiver positions that you really need to worry about with haste. Okay, Now in free agency, you can sign Austin Hooper, a a player the Packers have been linked to um, via reports. And so you say, okay, in a deep receiver class with a tight end signed and you can get a quality player in the second or the third round at receiver, why not go all in and get the missing piece for your defense? Isaiah Simmons is an outstanding player. He's versatile. He's a top five talent. And if he falls to 11, 
it's a trade you have to make. That is the thought process behind it. Here's the problem. It's madness. It is utter madness. The trade that is proposed is that the Packers swap picks up to 11. They give up 30. They give up 62, which is their second round pick, and they give up their future first round pick. We are talking a near Khalil Mack size trade. On its face, that part of it makes this crazy. We've really never seen any kind of draft day trade of this scope and magnitude for a linebacker and really for any defensive player. These kinds of moves are almost always made for quarterbacks. And in recent history, the closest comparison is moving up for Julio Jones. Even a receiver, I think you could justify a little bit more, especially someone as good as Julio. Julio was a generational receiver talent. Now the case for this move would be that Isaiah Simmons is a generational linebacker talent. And to that I would say, cool, it's still a linebacker. Now, I want to phrase this a different way. If Bobby Wagner were suddenly on the trade market, would you give up a first and a second round pick in addition to the pick swap? Think about how much that is in terms of capital given up. That is an incredible amount. It is Khalil Mack-sized draft capital to give up. And you're giving it up for a 50-50 at best chance that the player brings that value. At least when the Bears traded for Khalil Mack, they knew who Khalil Mack was as an NFL player. He was a proven commodity, an NFL defensive player of the year, a guy who was once all pro at defensive end and linebacker because of a quirk in the way voting works. So many people thought he was an all pro. They voted him as a defensive end and at linebacker. That's how good he was. We have no idea if Isaiah Simmons is that good. No idea. Now, we have some idea that he is a quality prospect, but the NFL historically is very bad at sussing out who is good and who is bad. Pro Football Focus just did a study and found, historically speaking, the NFL is bad at ordering linebackers, that you can find good linebackers in the second, third, and fourth round, and that this is evidence that the NFL is bad at evaluating linebacker talent. So you have to take that into account here. Even if everyone in the world thinks this guy is can't miss, they also thought that about Aaron Curry. There were a ton of people who were in on guys like Reggie Raglan and Reuben Foster. The world is littered with linebacker busts. Now, the world is littered with busts at all positions, of course. But that's why this would be so risky, just completely out of the realm of reasonable possibilities, risky. It doesn't make any sense. Not for a linebacker, even someone who could be very good, even if you're getting Bobby Wagner. I don't know that the NFL would make that trade. I don't know if a team... And I know you're getting him at 22, 23. You're getting him on a rookie salary. All of those things at play, it still doesn't make sense. And even even just strict value, okay, the trade itself doesn't make sense. If you're going by the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart, and that is one that a lot of teams are still using, then 11 for 30 and 62 would be a bad deal for the 11th pick. 
You'd need more, and that's why you'd have to sweeten it with a future first. But Chase Stewart, over at Football Perspective, put together an average value of each draft pick and created a new draft chart. And so even including all the players who are really good, and if you include all the players who are also really bad, the average value of that player that is picked with that draft selection, just 30 and 62 would be too much to go to 11. Now, it probably would take that much because most people still operate on the old NFL trade value chart. But even just giving up the 30th pick and the and the 62nd pick would be too much based on historical performance of these teams in terms of evaluating talent to go up and do this. And every draft pick is a risk assessment. So the, the better you think a player is or better a prospect is, the less risk that player carries. And so you feel more comfortable trading up for them. You feel more comfortable with them with a first-round pick versus a second-round pick. Every draft pick is a risk proposition. And the riskier players go later in the draft because the riskier players tend to be flawed in these more significant ways. The fewer flaws a player has, the better the prospect and the less risk he carries. Now, it is, it is sometimes the case that players who are riskier also have more upside, and, and that has to be weighed as well. Traditionally, you think of those players as boom or bust. That's the phrasing we use in the NFL. By, by grading parlance, those are borderline first-round players in that first to second round. Well, if you're going to do that, if you're going to go all upside or high upside, high bust rate, you can just stick at 30 and pick a guy. Because a borderline first-round player is going to be available there. Someone who is that high-risk, high-reward type player is going to be there. So why use your future first and your second-round pick on a risk when you can stay put, keep that value, and also take a risk? doesn't mean you have to draft a high-floor, low-ceiling player. You don't. And, I, and you can think Isaiah Simmons is really, really good, even if there's a 100% chance that he is... Bobby Wagner or Luke Keekley or Derek Brooks, it's still a huge amount of capital to give up for that player. Would be an unprecedented amount of capital to give up for an off-ball linebacker. And as we've talked about on this show before, there are a lot of impactful off-ball linebackers in the NFL. You are not unique if you have a good one, and a good one is not enough on his own to make your defense significantly better even if he is the supposed final piece. It just doesn't make sense to view the draft this way. Now, there are plenty of draft scenarios for the Packers to move up. I mean, you look at it last year, they go from 30 into the low 20s, and all it costs them is a day three pick. Well, you'd make that trade 10 times out of 10. The Packers would do that Darnell Savage deal over. Even if Darnell Savage doesn't turn out to be any better than he was as a rookie, that's a deal worth making because you gave up so little to do it. If there's a player that they like falling and they think that that they can get him with that little amount of draft capital, yeah, trade up. Go do it. Go, go do the Darnell Savage trade again if you can get a team like Seattle to do it. But giving up future first-round picks, giving up a first and a second even to move up that high when the draft is such a risk is an over-evaluation of your own ability to scout talent. It, it, no team is that good. 
It just doesn't, unless you're trading up for a quarterback, because then the reward in terms of value makes sense. Because even if you're risking it, even if you scout the, the player wrong, the, the opportunity for that player to actually impact the game in a meaningful enough way to make that pay off is there. It's not for an off-ball linebacker, even if he is an off-ball linebacker who can be more than that. We, we went through this with Derwin James. Even if Derwin James is Earl Thomas, getting Jair Alexander and a future first for him is a really good deal for the Packers because when he was drafted, there was no guarantee he would become that good, even if he was a top five prospect. Even as a top five prospect, there's barely better than a 50-50 chance he turns out to be a good player. And so even if you think Isaiah Simmons is the best player in this draft. If you think he's better than Chase Young and Joe Burrow and and Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa and and all those guys, maybe you think that he'd basically have to be the best linebacker ever for this to work out. And maybe he maybe he becomes that. And and maybe you say, well, he could have made that trade. Probably should have made that trade. Except at the time, the 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 chances of him becoming that player were far less than once he's actually become that player. That makes the Bears trade better because you're getting a proven commodity. The Packers in this scenario wouldn't. It doesn't make any sense. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. So on last Friday's show, we talked a little bit about Lane Taylor and the potential of trading him. And I think, I think the move, if you can, is to trade him. The problem is you're probably not going to get any value for him. You're probably not going to get a pick for him. And maybe you can package him with a pick and swap picks and move up in the fourth round or something. And, and there you go. You, you got something of value for Lane Taylor. In terms of savings, though, he saves you about $4 million on the cap if you cut him. And keeping him, which I have, I have said, look, if you're going to lose Brian Bulaga, you need a swing tackle, and Lane Taylor can be a swing tackle. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He can play on the right side. He can play on the left side. And there's value in that. Now, after Lucas Patrick gets paid, he's probably the guy that that they feel like is their interior swing guy, can play center, can play guard. Depending on what they want to do at tackle, if you're going to move Billy Turner over, keep Lane Taylor. Keep Lane Taylor because then you have someone that can play tackle, someone who can play guard, 
who could start for you at right guard if you wanted to. Lane Taylor is is a better guard option than Lucas Patrick. And I know I know Packer fans don't want to hear that. It's true. I mean, I had someone on Twitter tell me the other day, oh, well, Lucas Patrick is a better option at guard than Lane Taylor. No, he's not. Why, why would you think that? Why would you say that? They've been on the team together. And guess who has always been the starter? Guess who for two coaching staffs has been the starter? Not Lucas Patrick. I think Lucas Patrick is a very solid backup offensive lineman. He is a useful player. And, and as Aaron Rodgers said, deserved an extension, proved he was a, a reliable spot starter and, and that kind of player. He's proven nothing more than that. Lane Taylor has been, over the course of his career, at times, a very good guard. He was not great the year before Matt LaFleur was here and eventually lost his job to Elton Jenkins due to injury. But he would be better at tackle than anyone currently on the Packers roster after Billy Turner and, and maybe, frankly, better than Turner himself. Could you just try him at right tackle? Maybe. You could try him in training camp and cut him. I mean, that works too. I don't think, if the Packers are going to move on from Brian Bulaga, I don't think it is fait accompli that Lane Taylor is moving on with him because of his value as a tackle. Why not try him? Sure, draft somebody. If someone's Josh Jones, my, my draft crush on Josh Jones is well-documented. Great, Ezra Cleveland, great. I think there's some guys on day two who could work eventually. Not right away. Why not see what the deal is with Lane Taylor? See where he is with this offense. And maybe he just doesn't make sense. Maybe he just doesn't make sense. But the, the value in moving on from him, the $4 million, it's not really that much. It's not. Any player that they want to sign, they can sign. Any single player they want to sign, they can sign. And there's always ways to make this work. There's always ways to make the money work. Andrew Brandt said this the other day on Twitter. Don't ever let a team tell you they don't have the salary cap space. If they wanted to sign you, they could sign you. It's about cost-benefit. If the Packers want to sign Austin Hooper and Cora Littleton and they can't get the cap money to work, then you convert some of Zadarius Smith's money to bonus or you rework Corey Lindsay's contract or you cut him outright or you cut Lane Taylor to save some money. There's always ways to do it. But if the Packers are moving on from Brian Bulaga and they're not going to use that money, what is the sense in moving on from him? You can carry the money over, yes, that has value. But if you, let's say you don't find an offensive tackle until round three, and you're not convinced that guy, if he has to even spot start in 2020, can do it. Lane Taylor has value as a swing tackle then. And it's just one year. That's all he's getting anyway. So in 2020, you ride it out. There's value there. That could make sense. The fact that he hasn't been rumored to be cut already is not proof that he's going to be on this team in 2020, but you can let the offseason play out. Now, he has a workout bonus, but it's, you know, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. It's not anything that paying for some level of certainty isn't worth. In the grand scheme of things, it's a drop in the bucket. It's a rounding error on the salary cap if you have to pay a workout bonus. Now, we'll see. We could find out this week. Oh, Packers cut Lane Taylor. And, and there's, there's, you know, there's reasons to do that. I don't think there's any urgency with that. They can see how this offseason plays out. They can't do that with someone like Brian Bulaga. They got to figure it out. 
They can do that with Jimmy Graham too, though it sounds like he's out the door per reports. So just remember, no one on the team is a, is a lock to be cut until they're cut because you don't have to do anything. The salary cap is fake, especially for a team like the Packers with someone as, as capable as Russ Ball. The salary cap is fake. Don't worry about it. Whatever they want to do with the money, they can do with the money. There's always money in the banana stand. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store this episode is brought to you by wise progress is great isn't it people listen to music on record players then tapes and cds And now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with WISE, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies. So when you send, spend, or convert money with WISE, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try WISE for free at WISE.com slash podcast. All right, so it is Mock Draft Monday, and I think it's worth talking about a name in particular that has come up a lot lately, and that's Baylor receiver Denzel Mims. And based on some things that I've heard, based on some things that I've read, based on an aggregation of a lot of information, I know a lot of Packer fans are excited about Denzel Mims. I've been on record that I'm, I'm not as excited about him at 30. I still, even after the testing, all that stuff... I'm not in. Here's the thing. It may not matter because he may just be gone. He may go in the top 15 or 20 because someone who has been as productive as he has with the testing numbers he has, someone's going to fall in love with him. He's a great kid. He's a former track star. Someone is going to say, yeah, that guy can change my offense. I'm I'm far from convinced of that. And so if someone else is going to take him, to me, if I'm the Packers sitting there at 30, I'm going, please go take Denzel Mims because he's not someone we would have been thrilled about at 30. That's me if I'm the Packers. I think there are going to be other better players at 30. I said this last year. You know, People wanted to say, oh, take TJ Hawkinson at 12. I said, oh, maybe, but I think there will be other better players there at 12. There were. Now, TJ Hawkinson was gone. But there were other better players, players I thought were better than TJ Hawkinson, on the board at 12. The Packers didn't take one of them. (laughs) So, you know, the the draft can be weird like that. I put together a mock draft that I'll tweet out, depending on when you're listening to this. It may have already been tweeted sometime on Monday morning. And to me, everything just fell exactly right. And, you know... 
if someone sent it to me, I'd go, mm, I don't think that's going to happen. But it could. And it only had really one player fall that I didn't expect to fall. As I've mentioned, you know, we've talked on this show before about, you know, not saying, oh, there's no way that player is going to be available. I think Justin Jefferson is a guy like that. He still is fighting to be a first round pick. And, you know, Ben Albright, who's been on this show, um, is a local radio host in Denver, but is also a reporter around the NFL and, and works at Pro Football Network. He said that Denzel Mims is sounding more and more like a like a mid to mid, you know medium high heat whatever that is on the stove like in that 20 to 25 range that that is more likely where he goes and that Justin Jefferson by contrast is an early second round pick so Justin Jefferson at 30 I still think is a realistic target still a realistic player who could be there and he is number 1 on my wish list for the Packers he is so tailor made for what they need I, I, you know, Josh Jones was off the board. Some of the other offensive line options that I would have liked were off the board. Justin Jefferson was easily the, and the linebackers were off the board. So I didn't have any options. Zach Bond, Patrick Queen, and Kenneth Murray were all off the board when I was picking at 30. So Justin Jefferson was perfect. Second pick, Ezra Cleveland. At the end of the second round, he is so Packersy. He's athletic. He's experienced. He can play left tackle or right tackle. If the Packers came out of the first two rounds with Justin Jefferson and Ezra Cleveland, honestly, I don't care who plays linebacker. Uh, Andy Herman could play linebacker for the Packers, and I think they'd be okay. All right, maybe not Andy. But <laughs> there, to get two players that I had first-round grades on with your first two picks, and I have a top-20 grade on Justin Jefferson, I think he's one of maybe the 15 best players in the draft, um, would be great. And then in the third round, I said, let's take, let's take a chance. I know he's hurt. But Akeem Davis Gaither, the linebacker from App State, I think he's a top 50 player if he's healthy. And if he does you know, work out, if he is healthy by the end of, of March or into April and has a chance for teams to get a look at him, or at least if the medicals check out, it's like, okay, everything's healing, he's going to be okay. At the end of the third round, I am absolutely fine with the Packers taking a flyer on him. You sign a linebacker and you get that guy, he can be your Ibrahim Campbell. He can be your Raven Green. And now all of a sudden you are cooking with fish grease and, and you've had a hell of an offseason. So that's where we are. Uh, rest of the week, I want to talk some procedures on free agency. That stuff is coming up. I mean, the league year opens a week from today. At least the legal tampering period opens. So we should be hearing. A week from today, we should be hearing who's going to go where. At least some of these big names. As soon as the tampering period opens, we usually get news. And by Wednesday, when the league year opens, it's sort of uh, it's starting to die down already because a lot of the deals have been done in that legal tampering period. And so, you know, this is this is this is the fun time. This is the exciting time. So keep it locked here. We're gonna we're gonna have some some fun conversations in the upcoming weeks, and and we will again have emergency podcasts if the Packers sign people. Uh, we'll try and get something up, you know, day of. We'll, we will we will wait until later in the evening, but day of, just so we give the, you know, the Packers last year, they signed two guys, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know, we got to talk about all. I think they signed three guys. I think all three of the Adrian Amos, Zedarius, and Preston Smith were all on the first day. We had plenty to talk about, so we will do that again next week if we get words of signings middle of the day. 
I'll probably write about it for Acme Packing Company, maybe Packer Report, so check out the content there. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Now that you're winding up with Locked on Packers, go check out Locked on Bucks. A lot to talk about there with Giannis getting hurt and the, and the Bucks trying to get a one seed. The disrespect for the Giannis MVP campaign is off the charts, so go listen to those guys. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you got a question, you've got a comment, you've got something to add to the Packers conversation, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.